Today with Amen. Catherine Ruinala. Well, I am so grateful for the worship tonight. I just enjoyed just how Jesus-focused and Jesus-centric it was. Because, and for me, it was particularly, I'm just hyper-aware of it at the moment. I've been uh, reading and enjoying the book of Romans uh, recently. Um, I've been reading Romans and Hebrews. And, um, and at the same time, reading Fox's book of Martyrs. Uh, you might think, well, that's unusual light reading, but it's really helped me in focusing on what I felt prophetically the Holy Spirit really saying right now. And that is that there is a plumb line being dropped, and the plumb line is Jesus. There is so much noise, there's so much opportunity to get our eyes on so many things, but God is looking for us to keep our eyes on that which is the main thing, the one thing, the way, the truth, the life, Jesus himself. And as we fix our eyes on him, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. The plumb line keeps you building in a way that's not going to go skew whiff and get all, get all off, off track. It keeps things straight and in order. And that's what the Lord is wanting us to do. As we deliberately, intentionally focus our gaze on him, we remember that he calls us to have dove's eyes. And we know that doves uh, have no peripheral vision. They can only see what they're focusing on. That's what the Song of Songs says, that my beloved, you have dove's eyes. He's reminding us, you have eyes that your heart desire is not to get all worked up about all the things and get wise in our own opinions, but instead to determine to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified, to stay on the narrow path, to stay with what is the essential, the, the one thing that we desire. Psalm 27 says, One thing I have desired, this shall I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on His beauty to see him, to know him. Hallelujah. And in knowing him, he does amazing things. And I just wanted to read one of these um, testimonies. I had a, a word about a skin condition, and I, I said I believe it's rosacea, that God's healing. And um, uh, Lucy wrote in to say, thank you for the miracle healing service, which I watched live online in Melbourne. I felt God asking me to stand up from the sofa just before you prayed for me. I wanted, I wa he wanted me to stand up so I could receive something from him. I didn't know what it was, but I stood up ready to receive from him anyway. Right after I stood up, you prayed for a healing from a skin condition, and I was healed from the rosacea on my face. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And uh, we just, we love to celebrate these testimonies. It's so exciting when people are healed, when they're able to do things they couldn't do before, when they're able to hear when they couldn't hear before, when they're able to move without pain, when they're being set free from disease. So please um, do document those testimonies, write them down because your testimony encourages other people to have hope. Hallelujah. But it's this lifting up his name, focusing on him that I really want to share with you today. Um, let's start, if you'd like, with Romans chapter 3. Now, I love the book of Romans because as you read through Romans, we can understand that it's written 
to help people understand the book, the, the, the Bible, the message of the good news. And it's written to explain that we had the law in the Old Testament, and the law was given to help us understand that we can't make ourselves righteous enough in our own strength. Try as we might, we cannot achieve perfection. We cannot achieve righteousness in our own strength. And, and the law was given as a teacher to point us to our need for a saviour. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death and that no one can be joined to God who is holy. Light can't have fellowship with darkness and we can't get the darkness out of ourselves. We can't achieve righteousness and we can't pay for our sin. And so Jesus, the Son of God, the spotless Lamb, God himself came. He walked the earth. He, he lived without sin. Born of God, hallelujah, not of corrupted seed of man, but of God through, through the virgin birth, Jesus was born. He lived as a man, utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit never let him down and he lived free from sin and then gave his life to be punished for all mankind, to take on the sin of the whole world to die, to go to hell, and to be raised again, that anyone who would put their faith in him, who would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, they will be saved. Hallelujah. And that's the message of the book of Romans. It helps us to, to understand our need for a Savior, that the, the wages of sin, our need for a Savior, and the, the privilege of receiving grace, not by works, lest anyone should boast, but by faith that we are justified by faith. He'll never remember our sin anymore. Hallelujah. Yay. Praise God. He will never remember my sin anymore. There isn't a day coming where he's storing it all up. I'm being nice to you now because it's the age of grace, but wait till you get to heaven. I'm going to nail you for all the things you've done. No, that is not the message of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that it is finished, done. It will never be remembered anymore. You are never going to be held to account for your sin when you have brought that sin to him and received by faith in exchange the mercy of Jesus. Hallelujah. It doesn't just cover it so that it's hidden away for another day. It absolutely takes it away, gives you a new heart, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to read some scripture here. Romans chapter 3. And look, if you want to follow along um, over these next few weeks, if you want to track with where we're going, you might want to read in your own daily um, time with the Lord, you might want to start reading the book of Romans. And if you've gotten a little bit lost with some of the wording or some of the concepts, um, you could have a look in some different translations. Like the New Living Translation is actually an excellent way to, to get some understanding of uh, try to make sense of 
perhaps some theology that you might not fully understand. I like the New Living Translations, good stuff. Um, uh, I use the New King James, but if you've got that little Holy Bible app, you can access all these different translations for free. Praise the Lord. I used to travel around with about you know, five or six Bibles, and it was so frustrating with the, um, with the weight limit. But now these days, this was in the olden days, but these days you can just carry all of the translations on your phone for free. Amazing. Uh, but, but we need to access it. We need to be reading it. So, so read it. Read it in different translations. If you read it in one translation only, do yourself a favor. Have a look in another translation and let it hit you from a fresh angle. Or maybe if you, if you want to go even deeper, you could, you could download the Strong's app. And you can look up some of those words and see what it means. And it's so, it's an, a rich and exciting book. And then if, if you go through the book of Romans, then you might want to have a look at the book of Hebrews because that'll really solidify this message of the gospel that there was law and now there's grace. That it really concentrates on the concept of rest, the Sabbath rest. I touched a little bit on that last week where we were talking about how God on the seventh day rested from all his works. And now there it remains a rest for us to enter in by faith. That is the rest of faith. And you can get lost in all of that language. But what it actually means is that we get to live in this place where we can rest from our works. We don't have to achieve in order to be received. But having been received by faith, we have power, therefore, to live like him. Praise God. All right. Romans chapter 3. Does it make you want to read your Bible? That's the right answer. Praise the Lord. I'll try it one more time. Does it make you want to read your Bible? Thank you. Excellent. I'll try. I'll keep, keep trying until you're like, I can't wait to read this. All right. Romans chapter 3, verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Praise the Lord. So you go and read Romans 1, 2, 3, you'll come to the conclusion. Oh, I see this. We are therefore justified not by our works. We're justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. If you flip over to Romans chapter 4, verse 4, it says here, Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. I'll read that again, Romans 4, 4. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. So if you work, it's considered that you are owed something. The one that you worked for owes you wages. It's considered not as grace, but as debt. So if we could work for our forgiveness... If we could work for our standing with God, if we could work for our righteousness, we would receive it as what I deserve, what I've rightly worked for. But the good news of the gospel is that we can't work for it because we can't deserve it. What we receive is better than what we have the ability to earn, hallelujah, or deserve. So praise the Lord, we can't pay penance. We can't pay for our sin. We can't, you know, I, I, I've been reading, as I've been reading the Fox's Book of Martyrs, I've been reading about how people would be made to carry, you know, huge piles of wood and pay all, do all these things to pay penance 
for their sin. But that it's an affront to the truth of the gospel, that if we think we can somehow bear some punishment that would take away our sin, we are saying that we, we are capable of our own salvation. But it's not by works. By grace we are saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We can't pay. We can't be punished for our sin. We can't do enough to take away our sin. Hallelujah. Penance is not going to pay for your sin. Um, we, we can't get the idea that, okay, well, I'll, I'll, uh, when I die, I'll go to purgatory and then I'll pay for my sin there and I'll hope that all my relatives and descendants will pray for me so that I'll get, you know, shortened the time in purgatory paying for my sin. It's, it's contrary to the gospel. The gospel says that we are not able. The whole point of the, of the gospel, the whole point of the Bible is to show us that we are not able to pay for our own sin. Hallelujah. But that we have been saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Hallelujah. Verse 5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Who, who does that refer to? Me. Praise the Lord. It refers to you too. You are blessed if you will believe, not if you will achieve. You are blessed if you will believe, not if you achieve. Hallelujah. You are blessed... It, when your lawless deeds are forgiven and your sins are covered. Uh, him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. If we will believe that God justifies those who haven't earned it, achieved it, or deserved it, lived up to it, or by any way have earned it. If we believe that he does that, the Bible says we're blessed. Oh, this is happy news. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Hallelujah. Then we get to Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. One more time. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. I've been thinking about this for months. Therefore, having been justified by faith, I have peace with God. That means any sense of shame, any sense of fear that there's something between me and God, any sense of condemnation or guilt is no longer able to keep me from accessing God. Hallelujah. Verse 2, through whom also we have access. Say access. By faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have access to God by faith in what Jesus has done for us. Praise the Lord. He's our access. And you know, as I'm reading the, this Fox's Book of Martyrs, 
I just thought it would be a good thing to do. I haven't done it before. I should have done it a long time ago, but haven't done it. And as I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, I'm realizing, wow, it, it brings back into focus what is truly important. I was reading about a 19-year-old young man who he, he wanted to read the Bible. So he went into the church where the only Bible in the village was chained to the pulpit. And uh, the common people were not allowed to read the Bible. So he went in and he was just sitting there quietly reading the Bible to himself. And he was caught and said, why are you reading that Bible? He says, well, I'm just reading it for my own comfort. I'm not, I'm not reading it to anybody. I'm just reading it for my own comfort. You need to renounce that. You shouldn't be reading that by yourself. You shouldn't be reading that at all. You're not a priest. You're not allowed to read it. And he said, well, I, I think everybody should read it. It's, it's so wonderful. And uh, that statement had him thrown in jail, uh, put in the stocks, uh, thrown in jail, and and. People would come to him and offer him jobs. If you'll recant, you're clearly an educated guy. You're clearly intelligent. I'll give you a great job. I'll give you money. Uh, You can come and work for me. All you have to do is recant and say, people shouldn't read the Bible themselves. They should only let the priest do that. And he'd say, I I can't do that. It's, It's glorious. It brings me peace. It's the truth. And they said, well, You'll need to recant, otherwise you won't even see your 20th birthday. You'll be burned at the stake. And he says, well, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. I can't renounce the truth that this this book has in it the words of life and eternal life and freedom. And, um, And it came to him being burned at the stake the night before his parents saw him. And his parents said, son, we're so proud of you. You, you are so, uh, we're so proud of you standing up for the truth. And they watched him burn. And there's story after story after story of people who stood up for the truth, who, who would happily go and embrace horrific torture, horrific things, being burned alive for their stance on the fact that there is nothing but Christ who can save me that I cannot be saved through works. I cannot be saved through the mass. I cannot be saved through this or through that. I can only be saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And by refusing to move from that, they were, um, they were martyred. And as I read all of this, it helps me come back to the reality of how much does this mean to me? How much does this precious truth mean to me? Knowing it intellectually, having the freedom to read about it in multiple translations, being able to freely preach it on television. I'm not going to be burned at the stake for preaching the good news of the gospel. I have the freedom and the privilege of reading it, enjoying it. Yet if we don't take it and use it in our everyday life, we're deceiving ourselves. You see, we can quote it, therefore, having been justified by faith, I have peace with God, and still live in fear and anxiety and worry. You know, your emotions will follow what you focus on. If you're feeling discouraged and despairing, and you need 
to intentionally shift your focus. You need to intentionally change what you're looking at. Okay, I'm having a down day. What can I focus on that is going to shift things here? Okay, I'm going to start to give thanks. What can I be grateful for? What can I give thanks for? I remember years ago having a bit of a rough day and I sat down at the piano and I just started to write this song. For loving me and changing me, for choosing me, thank you, my Lord. I just sang it over and over again. And, you know, very quickly I went from feeling sorry for myself to suddenly realizing, oh, God, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. Oh, God, you, Jesus, the, the only one who didn't deserve punishment for sin, you became sin so that I could be made free so that I could have eternal life, so that I can lift up my eyes and call on you and be connected to you. Hallelujah. All of this glorious truth and the cloud of witnesses who've lived and died for this gospel are wanting us as believers not to be complacent with this truth, but to value it, to recognize in Christ alone is my salvation, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Hallelujah. In looking to him, we find hope. We find the answer. As we read the gospel, knowing that his desire is for us to know him, to discover him, and to recognize that it's not a standard that I have to live up to, but actually an invitation to realize this is now the new life I've been born again into. We can actually live in the freedom that we are destined for. Hallelujah. We can have connection. I shared the other night, and I was having a bit of a down day uh, last week, and, and, and justifiably so. I, I had people, friends, good friends who died, uh, things that sad things. And then as a pastor dealing with tragedies and people's things and Terrible things that happen to, to good people. And, oh, it hurts my heart. And it's, ah, oh, painful. And we're allowed to grieve. It's a good thing to grieve. It's, a, it's, it's okay to feel sad. But, you know, when we're feeling sad, the enemy doesn't go, they're having a hard day. Let's just back off. You know, it's right. That's just serious. We'll just back off a bit. He doesn't do that because he's evil. And he takes advantage of our emotions. And so, for some reason, I started hearing these voices like, oh, I bet you're not as disciplined. You, you are not anywhere near as disciplined as some other ministers. I'm sure your prayer life isn't as disciplined as these ones or that one. And I found myself pretty soon going, oh, sorry, God, I'm not as disciplined in my prayer life as other people probably are. And as it came out of my mouth, I realized what I was saying. And the Lord spoke to me as I lifted up my eyes to him and up because I was saying, Father, help. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, have I called you to compare yourself to anybody else? <sighs> you see, as soon as I say, Father, 
It was all over Red Rover. The enemy's like, ah, rats. <laughs> because otherwise I'm walking around talking to him without even looking at him. Oh, sorry, God, I'm not as disciplined as other people probably are. I don't know how disciplined they are. I don't know. I've never been in their prayer closet with them. I don't really know. But, but, but we can still get into this place of condemnation and, and talk to God as though we're not even looking at him. But as soon as we lift up our eyes in faith, believing that we can boldly approach the throne of grace without fear, not based on our achievement, our discipline or whatever we've done, but based on the fact that Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb gave himself for me and my faith is in him not in my achievement or my works but in him as I lift up my voice and say like Jesus did father and knowing I have the same access to the father that Jesus had when he walked the earth that I can say our father with Jesus his father and my father same access father help the Bible says that in his light, we see light. If you're ever having a day where you're struggling to see and you're feeling, oh, and, and if we aren't looking at the light, we'll buy the lies because they sound sometimes religious and holy. 